Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again, back at the boot camp. I hope you're ready for the next episode. You may have noticed that in the last few episodes, we have been missing our beloved, beautiful, butterfly kisses singing, Bob Bickford. Bob is doing some pretty great things with 313. We will have a link to their website and some things you ought to see in the show notes. 313, you've heard about it on podcasts before, just an awesome organization that helps churches utilize their unused space for community, greater community engagement, but also as a funding source for the church. They come in and do some really great things with shared office space or coffee shops or things like that. We have a whole episode on that. We'll link in the show notes as well. We brought on the founder, Brennan, and Bob has got a lot of great things going on there. And he will not be continuing as a co-host on the podcast, although I do hope to twist his arm into coming back as a guest periodically and bring him back on just to share what he's doing, what he's learning while he is out there. And so we will trudge along bravely without our beloved Bob Bickford. And so for today, to be a a bomb salve on, on my wound, I've got another Bob, Bob Bumgarner, who's been a guest on here before, good friend and mentor to talk about some concepts of what will shape the Replant Bootcamp moving forward. Uh, It was my pleasure to be here. Always honored to be in the company of greatness, even if it's the the shadow greatness of Dr. Bickford. So it's awesome to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have you. Man, you know, lately, most of our meetings have been breakfast or brunch meetings. And so I've decided one day, I'm just going to write a book called Breakfast with Bob. And (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And it'll be all the things that you've taught me over over the years. (laughs) It'd be a whole new spin on the breakfast club. So there you go. (laughs) One of the things that I've learned having breakfast with Bob is in in denominational work, a phrase that I, I pulled from you is if you listen to the field, it will lead you to the future. Talk to us about like, where did that come from? Okay. Is that an original Bumgarnerism or are we pulling that from somebody else? As far as I know, it's original uh, with me. In 1997, I went to, which gosh, that sounds like really a long time ago, but near the year 2000, I joined the Florida Baptist Convention and started consulting and coaching churches. And if I'm brutally honest, when I when they invited me to come on the staff, I thought, man, they must think I have exactly what the churches in Florida need to turn around and become these health centers. And but anyway, what I found as I put on a consultative hat and started engaging uh, small churches, medium-sized churches, large churches, what I found is there was a kind of like a foreign tissue rejection. They'd have been inoculated to a consulting kind of model. And so as I listened to them and as I as I tried to figure out how to find the opening, what I discovered was that coaching, not consulting, worked. And so you may know the difference. Consulting is when an expert assesses something and comes in with a briefcase and says, hey, let's do this. But coaching is where you start by asking questions and listening to them, letting the Holy Spirit kind of unpack. And so when somebody asked me shortly after that, they said, why did you move from consulting to coaching? Because it was working so well. Mm. I said, well, that's what the field wanted. Yeah. 
And they said, what do you mean what the field wanted? I said, if you listen to the field, it will lead you to the future. And so that's where it started. That was about 2004. And one of the things I would say that I think is helpful, or at least it was for me, it seems like when God does something like that in me, it's not usually something I researched. It's not a paper I've written, though I've done those things. It, it's like, it's it's something that becomes just so obvious you can't miss it if you're if if you're listening and that's why the listening to the future culture or, the, or listening to the field leads to the future is where it came from. Well, I love that idea of especially in denominational work, but even even not just in denominational work, but I've heard you talk about it being connected to even the idea of like exegeting the culture. And yeah. I think about, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast when I've had Josh Dreyer on talking about demographics and he, he was talking about a church and, and you, you would know the church if I said it to you, Bob, that he was, I think an interim at, at the point and he did some demographics for them and they wanted to do like, you know, a, a free garage sale and give clothes away or a food, you know, give food away to the people in the community. But what they hadn't paid attention to is their community had changed so much in the last you know 20 years since they started going to that church or 30 years or whatever that it's now a very affluent community right and they don't need a they're not they're not going to be pulling in anybody from the community right. Right. if they're doing a clothes drive or they're doing you know they, you know there's they could they could pull clothes from those communities sure and, and go places <laughs> and resource but, somewhere else yeah yeah, but meeting meeting those types of needs in that community was was tone deaf it, it, it's, they hadn't been listening yeah to the field and understanding what it is that that's going on. And so talk to us about that connection of the idea of listening to the field. So you and I are both in network denominational work. A lot of the listeners of this podcast are pastors in sure. smaller normative size churches in need of replanting or revitalization. How would this principle apply to their work? Sure. Well, the first place I ever heard about cultural exegesis was somebody said, they quoted Karl Barth and said, you have, if you're going to be a pastor, you have to have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And you have to mm -hmm. figure out how to bring those two things together. That's, that's a metaphor for cultural exegesis if I've ever seen it. So what you're doing is you're studying the culture that you're trying to serve. You're looking for what do they love? What do they fear? What do they value? And what's interesting about it is, and this is the kind of the conundrum for me, if we take a foreign mission trip, even if it's a week long, we study the culture of Brazil or, you know, Uruguay or wherever we, Nicaragua, wherever mm -hmm. we're going. Mm -hmm. But we've lived here so long that it's all, there's an arrogance to us that we think that we don't, uh, I love your phrase tone deaf. We're tone deaf to where we live. And so we don't listen to that. Mm. And so, so cultural exegetes are simply students of the culture. And, and really you're being a student of at least two groups is what I found. Your stakeholders, that's the people in your church. What are they willing to do? What do they have gifting to do? And then the people you're trying to reach, which is the actual, you know, lost field. You know, what is it that is the, 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 the gap, if you will. And so yeah. as you, I even see this in scripture. I mean, even if you, you know, that Acts chapter six is my verses one through seven is kind of my go-to church health kind of metaphor. But if you mm -hmm. listen to it, let's just, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but just in your mind's eye, go to that passage and just, so it, what does it say? It says the number of the disciples were increasing. And so it's working. But then there arose a complaint among the Hellenists that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And so 
somewhere between verse one and verse two, somebody exegeted the culture. <laughs> they figured out what's the fear, what, what is not happening here. And then if you read verses, the, verses two through six, that's a complete cultural response. The, in other words, internally, they changed who preached and when they preached and who set up tables and and um, who, and then they actually, the solution was actually a Greek solution. All those names you read in there, those are Greek folks. And so then if you look at verse seven, it you see that the gospel continued in three different expressions. And so in other words, I think you see cultural exegesis in the text of scripture as well. And so I do think that's a helpful, I think it's missiologically correct to be able to take a look at, to take a look at it that way. I think, yeah, one of the things I've always thought about in exegeting culture scripturally is Acts 17. Mm-hmm. You know, the different approaches that we see from Paul yeah. in Acts 17. We see, you know, Paul and Silas in Thessalonica, and they take one kind of approach. And then we see right. him in Rhea, and they take a, a, a very different approach. And then we see him in Athens, and we see, you know, a, a different approach. In, and then they're at Areopagus, Mars Hill, and, and you know, it's an di- entirely different approach. And and then, you know, you, if you keep going 18, then there he's in Corinth and the message stays the same. Yes. It doesn't change. But the way that Paul deals with or addresses the, the community, it's obvious he knows and understands things right. about where he's at. I also think about like, you know, Henry Blackaby, I think is fresh on everybody's brain. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Recent passing. And, and it's that idea that he, you know, brought to us of, you know, see where God's kind of already at work mm-hmm. and, and join him in that. And that was when I got to redemption to be a part of replanting that, that was one of my first initiatives sure. was, was just like feet on the ground, walk around and just talk to people and figure out what God is up to and what he's doing with all sure. of that. And so I, I think it's, I think it's key and it's such an important part of this, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic for this episode is as we, you know, announce, address that Bickford will no longer be a co-host of the episode. And as a result of that, I've been doing a lot of thinking of what does the boot camp look like moving forward without Bob Bickford in one of the things I have come to the realization of is I want to use this podcast as a way to listen to the field and learn. Uh, you know, I, I was blessed to be a part of as, as a lead pastor role, replanting what is now Redemption Church. Sure. Pastor, Pastor Jared Reed is there now and he's doing a great job, but it's been a few years since I've been in that role. And I've been largely in a denominational role with First Coast Churches and with NAM. And one of the things I want to make sure is moving forward that this podcast stays true to its original roots of boots on the ground, you know, listening to what's going on. And man, when, when Bickford and I started this, we were both leading replants. Sure. And then I stepped away first so that I could focus just full time on NAM. And then he stepped away. And I want to make sure that the stuff we're talking about on this podcast stays fresh and relevant and helpful to those that are listening. Yeah. You know, there's actually kind of a, not a metaphor, but a parallel to this. When I, uh, this would have been in the early 2000s, I had the opportunity to go to the Air Force Academy and not as, (laughs) not as a soldier, but as just as, as somebody learning their educational model, really their discipleship model of how they took a, like a, 
a plebe who was a civilian and took him all the way to where he would lead men into battle. And one of the things I got to talk to, I cannot think of the position it's called, but it's it's a presidential appointment. And it's the person who's actually over the educational process of the of the cadets. And and so one of the things he talked about was who gets to be in front of the cadets and teach them in the various years. And what he said is, is that, for instance, in the mathematics department, in, in any department, a classroom teacher can never be more than five years removed from the a battlefield, the field. Like, mm-hmm. And so because they want soldiers teaching math, not mathematicians teaching soldiers. And so if you're a mathematician, you might be a department director. But if you're going to interface with the people that are actually flying the planes and doing all this stuff, then you're going to be somebody who's really good at geometry, but you really know the battlefield. And so I think that's a, I think there's a real lesson in that. And, and one of the things that I want to say to both you and Bob is, you know, every movement changes, every movement morphs. And so, you know, I, I applaud you both for understanding the wisdom and, you know, staying close as close to the field as is, is humanly possible. But that doesn't take away any of the, any of the comments, any of the information and content that's gone on in the last several hundred episodes for sure. No, it's been such a blast to have Bickford on here and knowing that I have to move forward without him is not exciting mm-hmm. or or fun. And I mean, over the last, I think it's been over four years, we've been doing this podcast together. And at this point, getting close to five years that we've been doing this podcast. And it, it's been so interesting to see all the things that we've discussed and all the guests that we've been able to have on. And so moving forward, one of the things I want to focus on is is having guests on, listening to that field and making sure that we are hearing fresh from the battlefield, yeah. boots on the ground, experiences from replanters, revitalizers, network leaders, and subject matter experts that might not be boots on the ground, but they're, they could be department heads at the academy. Yeah, sure, sure. And so one of the things is we're going to be putting, check the website, replantbootcamp.com, and we're going to be putting some avenues for you to make some suggestions of who we should talk to. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, so there'll be a link at the, bo- at the top of the page, replantbootcamp.com, where you can suggest a guest and you can suggest yourself or you can suggest, uh, and here, here's what I'd say, I, you know, and, and Bumgarner, you know this, I am not afraid to try to network my way into somebody that you think I can't get on this podcast. <laughs> yes. And so if there's some book that you've read and you think, man, I would love to hear that guy's perspective on this topic. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to track them down and get them on the podcast and, and ask what questions they have. If you've got things that you are learning as you are out there revitalizing, replanting or network leaders, man, I, I want to talk to AMSs and state convention guys and other network guys that are out there because you guys are boots on the ground out there helping as well. And you're learning a lot as you're on the field. And so suggest a guest. It's it's not arrogant to suggest yourself if you have something to talk about. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, that I like about what you're talking about is, so you want the Replant Bootcamp to be this for the people that are watching it, but the people that are watching it, they can exegete their culture as well. I mean, in other words, they, they can listen to the field to get to the future so that they can, so that they can be a guest so that they can come on and help other folks. And there are some basic things that I think happen 
when you are exegeting the culture, like this is just kind of a, I don't want to call it a template, but it's a couple of steps. I think the first thing you do is pray mm. and you pray with humility, you know, not the kind of prayer that is, you know, um, kind of telling God what you're going to do, but just pray, ask God what you need to see, and then move in and out of the, com- go into the community and watch, watch what you see. Don't think, and don't think you understand everything you see. Just watch what, you- make some observations and, and, Try to make observations without judgment. You know, we're in such a Twitter world right this minute that, Mm. you know, if there's something that we don't agree with, we're quick to cancel it or judge it. And I'm not saying ultimately that you won't do that. But what I am saying is observe what's happening in culture and try to suspend judgment. Because remember, Christ was above culture. Christ was in culture. And there's Christ against culture. And so, you know, so we so anyway, observe without judgment and then ask questions. Of, of, of one of the things I think you can't do, you can't exegete, exegete culture from your desk. Mm. You can exegete it from a ball game or from a, you know, coffee shop or whatever, praying Frisbee golf with whoever that's in the, you know, you can uh, take notes. And then, and then what I would just say is when you're exegeting it, merge wisely. You know, I'd never said that I never consulted again. Uh, my starting point was coaching. The way that I ascertained what was needed by uh, somebody in the field was through coaching. But there are times that a measured assessment that you come in and you're an expert in the assessment, just like your revitalizers assessment, you know, there's there's some value to a consultative approach. And so merge them wisely, combine them wisely. I think what you're looking for every time you exegete culture is you're looking for complaints. You know, you're listening to what people complain about. Your the kind of the pain points when what are the challenges? And the Holy Spirit is going to help you see that those are opportunities. You know, if you want to if you want to hack on exegeting a community, go to any principal of an elementary school or a middle school and buy them coffee and sit with them for 40 minutes and just listen to them. (laughs) You will have because everything that's happening in that community is happening in that school. And so those are kind of things that I, th- I think could be helpful from your perspective as you ask who you need to bring on, but also from the local, you know, replanter or plant, you know, revitalizer perspective to try to listen to the field. That's good. You know, I love that. Pray with humility, watch, see what you see, observe without judgment and ask questions. I love the phrase, you can't exegete from your desk. I, I was thinking the, the observe without judgment the elementary school next to redemption was one of the areas where I helped exegete the culture of redemption and spent a lot of time there and, and built rapport and relationships. And one point they asked me and my associate pastor at the time, Chris Litton to go over and meet with this, these four young boys that had gotten into a fight. And in that fight, they had picked up bricks and thrown them at a kid's head. Unfortunately, they didn't have great aim and miss, but it you know could have been a pretty serious situation. Sure. And so they wanted us to, as men, because almost everybody that worked at that school at the time was female, and they said, we just need some men to come talk to these boys. And mm-hmm. so we came over and we sat with them and it was, you know, we were observing what's going on. And it was so interesting because we were talking to them and asking questions and as we're asking questions, we learned, Chris asked, he goes, what would your mom and dad think? And they said, 
they'd be proud. They would have told me to take the brick and throw it at them. And what it taught us was mm-hmm. it, they weren't just violent boys, that there was something else going on. There was, there was something deeper to the issue. And if we would have just reprimanded them and told them to behave better, it wouldn't have even computed with their own culture. Yeah. And, uh, and so we were like, we okay, as we listen to this field, we've got to engage with mom and dad. Yeah. And what we ended up being able to do is the school has a funded position called student parent, uh, school parent liaison. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to put Chris Litton into that role of parent liaison. And so he now became on behalf of the school board, someone who would go talk to those kids' parents and wow. say, Hey, what's, what's going on here? And that opened a lot of doors for us. But if we wouldn't have observed without judgment and we didn't ask questions, we wouldn't have known that. And we wouldn't have had the opportunity to have that conversation if we hadn't already been engaging with our community. Yeah. So that's such a beautiful example of how the Holy Spirit uncovers things. Like, in other words, even if Chris Litton would have been willing to be a parent liaison, you don't know to ask for that. Like, I mean, you... Like, and so there's so many things we can do. There's so, but, but it's, it's not usually on our agenda. That's part of the issue here is churches have models of what they want to do for their community, but what they need to do is join their community. We, I I did a lot of work with church planters in the Northeast and one, a common story that I heard from church planters in the Northeast, especially in the Boston area. And Boston has, is a big city, but it has all these little sub communities And the church planters went up there and they said, you know, we're going to create community here at our church. But the only planters that did it well were those who said, no, we're not creating community. We're joining your community. Tell us how Mm -hmm. we can make your community better. And those had an exponentially longer life Mm -hmm. than those who thought they were going to create community and get the Bostonians to join their community. And so that's exactly the illustration you just gave. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, all right, guys, uh, go to the website, replantbootcamp.com and look at the top and you'll find you a button where you can suggest a guest or a topic for us to talk about as we listen to the field and it leads us to the future, but also beyond the podcast, as you look at your community that God has placed you in as a missionary, look at it with missionary eyes and pray with humility and ask God to show you what he's up to and see what you observe without judgment, ask good questions and join God in what he's already doing in the community where he's called you to serve. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.